0: With all not your truth, or kindness, Lord. With not your truth, or kindness, Lord. Welcome to the Notice Podcast. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host. Most Sundays, as music fills the church and the sermon is delivered, Parents of adult children mentally scroll through memories of when their child came to church with them. An unexplainable hurt surfaces as they think of how their children have strayed from the faith and have made choices that lead to broken relationships. They sit there just not knowing how things got so off course. On this episode of The Notice, I have a discussion with Cheryl Berry, a parent, about the challenges of watching and waiting for our prodigals to return. We discuss what happens in our hearts, how to disengage when necessary, and how to take notice of God as we wait. I'm sure many of our listeners are all familiar with the term prodigal from the famous parable Jesus told of the prodigal son. But interestingly enough, this story is more than just about the son. The entire family and community is affected by the actions of this prodigal. So on this episode, I've invited Cheryl Berry, a dear friend and parent. Cheryl and I met through a Bible study, and she introduced me to Doug Weiss's book, Prodigal Parent Process, where he discusses the journey of the prodigal as well as that of the prodigal parent. So Cheryl and I are going to talk about the book in an upcoming workshop for parents of adult children who are struggling. So Cheryl, welcome to the notice. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm glad you're here, and I'm excited about talking about this subject. If excited, could be a word. Mm -hmm. But it's, what is a prodigal? You know, Merriam-Webster's definition of a prodigal is a person who spends money in a recklessly extravagant way. And you probably know David Jeremiah. He defines the prodigal as unrestrained, unlimited, without any borders. Or I've even heard this definition, somebody who has selfishly abandoned a person, group, or ideal. And then Britannica Dictionary describes a prodigal as a son or daughter who leaves his or her parents to do things that they do not approve of, but then feel sorry and returns home. So I guess we of have to decide before we go any further, what does it mean to be a prodigal? And I guess for just our conversation, maybe we can kind of sum it up this way. A prodigal is an adult child who abandons their families and family's values in an unrestrained way, recklessly doing things the parents may not approve of, but may perhaps repent and return home. Do you know who Timothy Keller is? He's a great author and pastor, and he wrote this book called The Prodigal God and he points out that this story is yes it's about the prodigal parent but he's also talking about these two brothers and that they represent different ways of trying to make life work so he describes it this way the younger son pursues self-discovery he's on a quest to find and fulfill himself even if a few people have to get hurt along the way the older brother is committed to a more socially respectable way of being in the world the way of moral conformity. He's on a program of self-salvation, earning the approval of his community and the favor of his father. When he feels the terms of the deal is violated, his good attitude evaporates into resentment. So basically he's saying, hey, you know, they're both prodigals <laughs> in, in a sense. But I kind of want to focus a little bit on the parent. The hurt a parent experiences is indescribable especially in our cancel culture. Many children are canceling out their parents. There's a dishonoring, if you will. Think about it. I mean, Cheryl, I'm sure you know this. Parents invest so much in the life of their child. I mean, just think about those first few months when you lose so much sleep tending to the needs of the child. And of course, we have financial and time sacrifices. And I don't know about you, but you're raising your kids to be adults. But there's a huge transition that happens between them being children and adults, and, and this causes so much questions for us. So tell me a little bit about your journey. I'd love to hear how you ended up being a prodigal parent.
1: Well, Susan, I have three prodigal children. Two are my own children, and one is a grandchild. They each became prodigals around the age of 21 years old, which I found was odd when I thought about it the other day, that it all happened about the same time. Mm. My oldest has been a prodigal for the past 21 years, so I've been on this journey for 21 years. The second child was for 17 years now, and my grandchild for four years. They were each immersed into Christ during their teen years and walked with Jesus until they decided to turn away from God. Um, We were in contact with our eldest prodigal, who was living homeless five years ago. We haven't heard from her since. Mm. Um, I really would like to know if she's still living. We were told by her not to have any further contact. We haven't heard anything about her. Our second prodigal lives 30 minutes away. Um, We don't have any contact with her also, but we are aware that she is living somewhere by her Facebook posts, and we do get pictures of her once Mm -hmm. in a while. We see current pictures of this child on social media. Our grandchild does not contact us and is currently cohabitating with someone that she had led to Christ. How hmm. ironic. Yes.
0: Wow, so you don't have any engagement? You're not talking with these children or anything? They have kind of just... By their it choice. It almost feels like they a divorce, doesn't it?
1: It's worse than a divorce. It's like a death, but you don't get to bury them. There's, right. there's no... They don't want any part of any of our godliness in their lives. Any family members that love the Lord, they've alienated from. And they were raised with Christ
0: and they walked away. That's hard. It's hard to watch, isn't it? It's very hard. We know Proverbs 22 6, right? It says train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it. I'm going to tell you, I've struggled with that verse. Have you?
1: I did until I came to understand it. What's your understanding of it? The understanding is when they're old, they won't depart. We may not see them when they get old. We may die before they come back to Christ, but the promise is they will eventually come back to Christ. So I have the hope that I'll see them in heaven one day.
0: Yeah, I, I've i always thought of it too, is when you're molding a child, you're helping develop their conscience in a way. If you're putting in scripture, which is truth and the Word of God, and you're putting all of that into their lives, I've always thought, there's no way that's not in their conscience. It won't return void. It's got to be in their mm-hmm. conscience. I keep yes. believing that, that it's there. It's yes. sitting in their conscience. Somehow that's not going to go away. Yes. That's what this verse means to me. It's not going to go away. What we what was put in is still there. They just might not be picking it up. It's like in a little bag, mm-hmm. and we're not picking it up. As you've been going through this process, because it's been years... Tell me a little bit how how has He noticed you during this process? Well, God really
1: noticed how I was struggling through this journey in the beginning. There weren't support groups. People didn't understand prodigal children. They didn't talk about prodigal children. In the homeschool group I was in, I was alienated from the mothers of the children because they knew what my child was doing, and I had no idea. And they projected back to me that I was a bad parent because my Mm. child was making poor choices. So behind the scenes, I'm trying to do everything God called me to do to raise them and thought that they were following that. But with the lies and the deception, it was going on behind my back. And the mothers alienated from me and I had no idea. Nobody came and talked to me about it. So there was a lot of judging. It really did hurt. And so I felt isolated and alone, and I quickly learned that you don't talk about these things. So I buried the pain within myself Mm -hmm. and just cried out to God and said, God, I know you know. You love them more than I do. Give me the wisdom and the understanding of how to work with them. And what am I really dealing with here? I didn't even know. Right. I didn't even know know what a prodigal was.
0: And it, it burdens me to hear you talk about how they made this connection that your kids made these choices because of something you did. Because of my parenting. And yeah, people because actually told me that. Style. And yeah. to be
1: honest with you, I felt the same way before I came into this experience with my kids. I thought certainly if a parent parented their child right, their child would be perfect. You know, we're told that if we that if we just do the right things, if we teach them scripture, I homeschooled them. I prayed with their little hands when they were born. I took them to church. I took them to Bible studies. We always talked about God. We all, I taught them to be honest and trustworthy and uh, modest and mm-hmm. all the things that we teach our children as Christians. And I thought if I just did those things, surely they would make good choices. They would be good, model, respectable um, adults in the community. Right. They'd obey the laws. And boy, was I dumbfounded when they through free free will choice, decided to turn away and
0: leave their faith. And I've seen this with many parents who have experienced this, is that it's important for us to look at ourselves and look Mm -hmm. at us as parents and say, what could I have done differently? Because let's face it, none of us were perfect parents, right? And we think, well, if I didn't do that, then they wouldn't have done this. And the reality is that is not true about Any relationship, whether it's a child or a spouse or a girlfriend, one of the challenges I think is we've spent so much time and energy focused on years into someone's life, years, Mm -hmm. sacrifices into someone's life that somehow our identity is connected with that person. Did Did you kind of wrestle with that a little bit?
1: Honestly, no, I didn't, I didn't wrestle with that aspect. I just wrestled with how could they possibly choose the evil choices they were making when it was so detrimental to the rest of their life. It affected everything in the future they were going to do, which did come to pass. You know, my one daughter's living homeless now. Like, who chooses a life like that? Who chooses drugs So it's alcohol. hard
0: to sit back as a parent and and watch these consequences play out, That's right? It's
1: very hard. It's and, deep sorrow.
0: And the funny thing is, is in Doug Weiss's book, he talks about the prodigal parent. Actually, God was the first prodigal parent.
1: That set me free because I knew that it was nothing I did or didn't do that caused them to choose to walk away from God because Adam and Eve were the first prodigals. They and he was a perfect parent. And perfect environment. Perfect environment. Perfect. They had everything. the Garden of Eden, Cheryl. That was so freeing. <laughs> and also knowing that good families have children who make poor choices and live bad lives. And there are terrible, poor, bad, bad families that their kids make excellent choices and live good lives. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's choice. It's free will choice. It's
0: free will choice. How did you come to terms with that? I mean, it sounds like you... You understand that now.
1: My husband helped me to see that. Um, He showed me different verses in the Bible where the good families had struggles with evil children, and the evil families had great children. And that made sense to me. And I think God just used that to calm me to show me that it wasn't about my parenting. And I know I could stand before God and be righteous before Him because I did everything humanly possible to make sure my kids had a good life. I'm a strong Bible-believing Christian, and that means the world to me, and I wanted them to see who God truly is. So they've been taught they know. It's just like Doug Weiss talks about, is that these kids know. And so my prayer is every day that God would bring crisis into their life that they will have to fall down on their face and they only, when they look up, they see the eyes of God and they remember everything that they've ever been taught about Him to remember how good and wonderful He is and that He is the only way. And I know that when they return to Him, they'll also return to me.
0: Mm-hmm. You talk a lot about the choices that they make that aren't good. Now, there are also other prodigals who are actually, their lives are fine. They have a good job. They're contributing to the community. But on some level, they're not responding to God. There's also parents out there watching that and saying, yeah, my kid is still, they're doing fine. They're not homeless, or maybe they're not in jail, or maybe they're not doing drugs or something, but they're still not having a relationship with God. So there's still that pain that comes with that. So both of it happens. So... In both areas, though, we have to learn to what Doug Weiss talks about is, in his book. It's called Disengage. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? How did you disengage? It took
1: me approximately 10 years to disengage with my first prodigal. My prodigals really didn't want me in their lives because I reminded them too much of what God wanted for them in their lives. I try to walk the way God wants me to walk every day. And they didn't want to walk that way. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I was too much of God to them, so they walked away. When I first started out, I was a big enabler. I supplied them with everything they needed. I provided services for them whenever they asked, like laundry or cooking or babysitting or childcare. Um, I was a childcare provider. I offered to loan money, I paid bills. Um, I, take care of, I took care of situations that weren't mine to take care of. So when I learned that that was enabling and when I set strong boundaries and I said no, that's when they took off and didn't want me in their
0: lives. Wow. That's a t- tough thing to do because our natural instinct as a parent is to protect. And we want to protect our kids. Mm-hmm. We don't want them to suffer consequences. Mm-hmm. So... I think we all do this on some level Mm -hmm. where we try to say, well, don't do this because I don't want this to happen. Because Mm -hmm. after you've lived years, you do have wisdom. Mm -hmm. In different cultures, there's a huge honoring of the parents. I'm not so sure that we're there here in, no, America. We don't have it in America. We don't have that honoring of, of the parents. It's almost like in people's 20s and 30s, all of a sudden they just start rejecting their parents. Like, oh, well, I'm not going to do that when my parents did. And I'll be honest with you, I did it myself. You know and when I was in my 30s when I started to have kids of my own I started to realize, you know my mom actually she knew a few things you know <laughs> but I wasn't diseng- I was I still had a relationship with her and everything like that. it wasn't that that relationship was broken. But what I heard you say when you were talking though, when I think of disengagement and maybe this is just my interpretation, but when you disengage what you're saying is their relationship with God is separate. From my relationship with them. And even though their relationship, if their relationship with God is off track, and I'm still trying to to live a Christian life, there's going to be a rub. There's going to be a problem. And so you almost have to disengage and, and look back and go, this is their choice. The choice of this person on this journey is not necessarily against me. So it's really not personal, is it?
1: no it's spiritual warfare (laughs) yeah satan Satan wants the family destroyed and he will do anything he will lure our children away with all these grandiose ideas that god is not good that their thrills and joys are more important and that authority is not important in parents and family are not important
0: their relationship with us it seems isn't really the issue
1: No, that's the bottom line. And that's what set me free is it really wasn't about our relationship. It was about spiritual warfare.
0: And Doug Weiss talks about it in his book quite a bit. He talks about God understands because he was the first prodigal parent, right? He understands. Plus, we can set boundaries, and that might alter the relationship in some way, shape, or form. But eventually, by setting those boundaries, they realize that they need a Savior, now, it's in, interesting because in the study, and in uh, there's a, going to be a workshop coming up that I'll talk about in a minute, but in these things that we can look at, we have some resources that help us realize how can we disengage, how can we accept free will, how, and, and also, this is a big one, we have to wait. Prodigal is on a journey, they're on their own journey, they're doing their own thing, And we just need to sit back and wait. So when you're in this waiting process, which you've been in quite a long time, tell me, how did you take notice of God?
1: Well, Susan, I took notice of God through prayer. He uses His Word, His people, places and things to prod me along on this incredible journey of faith. Um, I sought the counsel of mature Christians who showed the fruit of their faith. I would only counsel with those who I knew were strong. God used social media, billboards along the way when I was traveling. I might read something that clicked and God encouraged me through it. Um, Someone may send me a special note or a gift that encouraged me and had a special message that I applied to my grieving process or my process with my prodigal. Special friends came into my life and they prayed for me. They encouraged me and they cheered me up through God's word. He also sent young people into my life that filled that void, that need Mm. for me. Mm. Since I couldn't have my daughters, I had other young women come in. And I remember my daughters noticing that, and I think they felt a little jealous. That's when they were in my life. But I said, no, these are women that I can mentor and minister to. They're not replacing you. But God saw that that was a need that I have. And that still continues today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need a mother figure or an older woman in their life. So we filled each other's voids. He's shown me that my life is still rich and full of happiness and peace and joy, even amongst the pain of having prodigals. That isn't the all in all. Mm-hmm. That isn't my identity, who I am.
0: That's right.
1: God is my identity. And I'm filled to the fullest, and I will be till the day I die because my God is an awesome God. I would so, love to see my prodigals one day, but if I don't, God is enough.
0: Yeah. So, and that's hard. That's hard to come to peace with. But it's also, I mean, what else can we do in the wait? And and I think one of the things is, and and you mentioned it at the beginning, is that you didn't have any, there wasn't, weren't other people that you mm-hmm. knew were going through and you couldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the case now. There's a lot of resources out there and one of the resources that we're using is the, the Prodigal Parent Process by Doug Weiss. And when I say we're using it is we're offering a workshop here at a Maple Ridge Place on Saturday, March 11th. And this is for parents out there who are struggling with this experience with their adult children. Those of you out there might be hurting but you don't have anyone to talk to about it or you're you're shameful or nervous about talking about it. This kind of workshop can help you just get used to some of these principles that can help you but most importantly you're going to be prayed over and you're going to be with other people who are experiencing the same kind of hurts maybe a different story, maybe different circumstances, but the same hurt that is there that is involved when you watch this happen. And what can we do? How can we do that? So if you're interested in the workshop, just Google Maple Ridge Place, Traverse City, and you'll find information on there, how to register and and, and all that is all on the the website. But we're going to be using this book by Doug Weiss as part of the, the resources of this particular workshop by Doug Weiss. It's called Prodigal Parent Process. And Cheryl, you introduced me to it. So can you talk to me a little bit about that?
1: This book, The Parent Prodigal Process, has really set me free in the knowledge of understanding the process of how the prodigal minds work and how the parents work through this issue, whether your prodigal is out of your life or you're currently having that prodigal in your life on how to deal with situations. It's an excellent resource. I love his five steps and I think they're important to know. Number one is each prodigal knows God. Number two, each prodigal rejects God is God. Number three, the prodigal changes the way he, she thinks, feels, and believes. Number four, the prodigal's heart gets darker. And number five, the prodigal's behavior gets darker. And what I like most is Romans 1, 28, 32 really sums this up. and especially sums up what my children have gone through. It says, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They even invent ways of doing evil. They, they disobey, disobey their, their parents. parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless, Although they know God's righteous desire that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them.
0: That's a lot. That's a whole degeneration, step by step, how how this happens. And that's partly what we'll talk about in the workshop, Mm -hmm. how this happens. What is the prodigal's journey? What kind of journey do they take? Parents, how can we respond? What's our best response to that? Of course... Our first response, and I'm not sure if you said it in these words before, but I've heard you talk about it when we've talked before, is that if you were had two words for what it's like to watch your adult child, you said deep sorrow. Deep sorrow. This is a deep sorrow. It's, it's something that it's just hard to explain unless you've been through it. And then, of course, we've got to come to terms with free will. I, I just kind of want to conclude our time here a little bit with this. If you had the opportunity to say something to your children, what would it be?
1: Well, I've written them a letter, and Mm -hmm. I'll read you the letter. It says, First of all, my dearly loved child, you are so deeply loved by your Creator. He longs for you to hear from Him, and He longs to hear from you. He longs for you to be righteous, healthy, healthy, happy and whole and to spend eternity with him. Read his word, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Repent and seek forgiveness. He will forgive and forget your transgressions as if they never happened. You can have the peace that transcends all understanding. When your heart returns to him, then your heart will freely return to me and the rest to the people who you love and who love you and miss you. I pray daily for your return. You are never forgotten.
0: Deep Sorrow Those two words break my heart as I consider the pain a prodigal parent feels. How can one come to terms with observing your child, whatever age, making choices that not only dramatically alter their life here but quite possibly their eternal destiny. Friends, if that's you, please know that you are not alone. I hope that you will consider joining us for our workshop on Saturday, March 11th. Sometimes it's helpful to connect with others who have similar stories and understand your pain. And sometimes, frankly, you just need to talk about it. The Notice Podcast is part of Affirm Ministries, and Affirm Ministries is sponsoring this workshop at March 11th at 10 o'clock a.m. at Maple Ridge Place in Traverse City. Please consider joining us or let a hurting friend know about it. Learn to understand how to disengage, explore ways to move forward without regret, and embrace how to take notice of God as your source of hope. So for more information, simply Google Maple Ridge Place, Traverse City. Affirm Ministries will also be offering a six-week small group study utilizing Doug Weiss's book, Parent Prodigal Process, and also has one-on-one mentoring. Google Affirm Ministries, Traverse City for more info. Until next time, give yourself a big hug and be sure to take notice.